and thank you for joining this week's podcast with the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams. In this week's sermon, the Archbishop reveals how to use the promises of God in prayer in the ongoing conflict against the enemy. Understand biblical strategies of intercession to gain victory in the life as a believer. Do you want to take your prayer life to a higher dimension? Purchase the Archbishop's book, Prayer Moves God. Secure your copy today at ndwministries.org. Know today that this is God's word of victory for you today. Be encouraged as you listen. Many years ago, a young man asked Archbishop Benson in the house of blessed memory and said to him, when will these conflicts end? Will there ever be a day and a time when we don't have to fight? And he said to him, I'm sorry, young man, but this conflict continues through the day you die. It's important to understand that the conflict we go through will go on till the day you die. And the better and the early you come to terms with that, you can live your life with ease. I think it's lack of illumination and understanding to think that just being born again settles everything and allows you to live a free life without going through something or fighting something. There's nothing like that. You have to deal with something as long as you live. It's an ongoing battle between light and darkness and between good and evil. It's an ongoing battle that began in Genesis 3 between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And it continues, it continues, it goes on until the end of the age. It's a battle and a conflict between knowledge and ignorance, light and darkness. It is what it is. But to begin, let me assure you that you can prevail because the victory was established before the battle began. But the fact that the victory was established and won before the battle began does not mean that you don't have to enforce the victory or superimpose it. You still have a responsibility to do something about the victory. Come with me to Psalm 110 and verse 2. Psalm 110 and verse 2. I think we should begin from verse 1 to give it, to give it uh, a clearer understanding because it's not just context. It's pretext and protext. Because if you don't understand pretext and protext, you will misunderstand context of text. Amen. Amen. The Lord said unto my the Lord. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Uh -huh. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Mm -hmm. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Tell two people, you must learn to rule in the midst of your enemies. That's what it is. Tell two people, learn to rule, reign in the midst of your enemies. That is the word of the Lord. That as long as you are here, it is required of you and I to reign and to rule 
in the mix of all things, in the mix of the bad, the good, and the ugly, you have the mandate from God to rule in the mix of your enemies. And that is the word of the Lord. Against all contradictions and the odds, you have been given the mandate by Almighty God to rule in the mix of your enemies. Somebody say, I hear you. And so, come with me to Esther 3 and 7. Tell somebody, listen, listen, listen. Okay, come to Esther 3, 7. In the first month, that is the month Nisan, in the 12th year of, the, of King Ahasuerus, they cast pear, that is the lot, before Haman from day to day. Underline the word day to day. And from month to month, to the 12th month, that is the month Ada. I, I want you to see the efforts that evil goes through to destroy good and how evil and the enemy is relentless and the extent to we the extent to which evil goes to destroy good day after day month after month for one solid year making deals and transactions Consulting mediums, familiar spirit, warlocks, consulting shrines, and diviners, and sorcerers, seeking a day to have an advantage over the people of God and the good people to destroy them. Is it possible that someone is consulting against you. Yes, there is that possibility. That someone is relentless. That even though you are minding your own business, going about your day-to-day -day business, not coveting anybody's husband or wife, not wishing evil on anyone, somebody somewhere is working day after day, month after month, throughout the whole year to destroy you, to annihilate you, and everything that concerns you. That is a possibility because evil is never satisfied till it destroys good. And it is what it is. And you need to come to a place of stop being weary, stop being tired, stop being fatigued, of standing your ground, of enforcing the word of God. Just as you eat with ease, you brush your teeth with ease, you change with ease, you shower with ease, and you accept that you must shower every day, you must brush your teeth every day, you must eat every day, you must go about your daily responsibilities every day. You accept it and you do it with ease. You must understand that to continue in the word, to continue in prayer, and to confess what God says we are, and enforce and superimpose scripture, is a daily responsibility, it's a daily necessity for daily victory. And it's something you must do the rest of your life. You can't relent. It's a daily requirement and necessity. If you look at the Muslims, they pray five times a day all their life. 
please try and listen. It's very important. I don't want to be distracted, please. I love you very much. I want you to listen. It's very important. Sometimes I get distracted. So please try and listen. Who is that? Lift up your right arm. Can you please pray for me? Eh? Pray that the word of God will have a free course. Pray against distractions in the atmosphere. Please pray against distractions and interference. Pray for me. Just pray for me. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you. Pray, please. Please pray. Please pray. Please pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Tell somebody, don't let me confront you. Don't let me do that. I love you too much. Amen. So hear me carefully. And those of you working with the microphone, wherever you are speaking from, make sure that you don't interfere with my service. Somebody say the ongoing conflict. It's an ongoing thing. So if you look at the Muslims, they pray five times a day all their life. And their lifestyle and their spirituality is intertwined. When they are in the mocks, they are Muslims. When they are at the marketplace, they are Muslims. When they are at work, they are Muslims. If you look at the Jews, they pray three times a day and they do it with ease because they understand that it's required of them. At the age of 12, every Jewish son or daughter must rehearse the Torah. From back to back, they must rehearse the Torah. And so they do it and they don't separate their spirituality or their religion or their faith from their daily life, which seems to be the only faith and the only religion. For whatever reason, our spirituality is in church. After church, we go to the car park, we start fighting each other. Our spirituality ends when we leave church. When we are at work, when we are at home, wherever we are, we are not spiritual anymore. We stop being like Christ. We stop being Christians. We are not like Jesus. Sometimes even in church, we fight one another. Even in church, we have issues with one another. We don't show that we are Christians. What does it mean to be a Christian? It's to be like Christ. And Christ is meek. And what is meekness? Strength or power under control. That means you don't react to everything you see or you hear. And that means you are kind. Jesus is kind. He's loving. He's forgiving. He's merciful. He's compassionate. He's gentle. Are you kind? Are you merciful? Are you forgiving? Are you compassionate? Do you care about others? Or you are critical of others? You point finger at others. Somebody say, as for me, if you touch me, you'll never go unpunished. There are families like that, litigants. You touch them or touch him, he'll never forgive you. There are wives who always remind their husband of the wrong they have done. And there are husbands who remind the woman of the wrong done every time. You never let the past go. You are always bringing up things. Even when there are happy moments and nothing is wrong, you have to find something wrong to bring up trouble so that everybody will be sad. Turn to somebody and say, why are you like that? Hallelujah. Put your hands together and give God praise. But there are a few things I want you to understand why the conflict 
is ongoing. And you need that understanding so that you never get tired because I hear a lot of believe, Papa, I'm tired. I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired. But you are not tired of eating. You are not tired of brushing your teeth. You are not tired of sleeping. You are not tired of changing. You do it without even thinking. Sometimes you shower without thinking. You brush your teeth without thinking. Why do you have to think before you pray? And before you fast? And why do you have to think before you do what scripture requires of you? It's because the enemy has succeeded to, to, to bewitch and to, and to deceive the believer and to cover the believer's face with a veil for you to think that it's too much of responsibility. It's not. As long as you live, the battle between good and evil continues. The battle between ignorance and knowledge and between life and darkness is forever battle until the day you close your eyes. I'm sorry. I wish, I, I wish there was a way out. I wish it wasn't so because sometimes even me, I hear somebody say, well, the Lord says you are not praying like you used to pray before and that you have to step up your prayer life. And sometimes I say, how many more hours should I pray again? If my prayer life is not enough and I'm not praying like I used to pray before, how many more days and hours do I have to pray the whole day? Don't, I need time to eat. I need time to sleep. I need time to think. Sometimes sometime I don't sleep. But I check the hours I sleep and I realize that sometimes my sleep is very light because when I wake up, I spend time praying and yet I'm told you are not praying like you ought to pray. Your prayer life is not like before. And I say, who are these people who are telling me how I should pray, how I shouldn't pray? And it's very, very, very sometimes wearying. After all these years, Isud came, Pastor Isud came the other day. He saw me praying with some of the guests. I said, Papa, you mean you are still praying all these years? Over 40 years, you are still leading prayer. And I said, Isud, even this one, they said, I'm not praying enough. So, how many more days do you want me to pray? You want me to become a praying machine 24-7. So I'm, when I'm eating, I'm praying. When I'm showering, I'm praying. And when I'm even spending time with my wife, I'm praying. Uh, why are you looking at me that way? You know? It's never enough. It's a, but but the one thing, understanding you must have, is Psalm 110 verse 2. Rule down in the mix of thy enemies. That means there will always be enemies until the day you, you check out. And once you are here, it doesn't matter how many adversaries and enemies have surround you. The Bible says you have the mandate to rule and to prevail in the midst of them with ease until the day you check out. Put your hands together and say yes. So, there are technicalities and there are legalities why the battles and the conflict continues. Here was Haman, the enemies of the Jews. Haman the Agagite. He, he came up with a decree and a law to annihilate the Jews and to hang Mordecai on the gallows. But I declare, make no mistakes. Make no mistake. I declare on authority of the word of God that whatever gallows and whatever pits, whatever net, whatever ambushment or trap you have set for us, the children of God, you will fall into it yourself. You will hang on that gallows yourself. It will turn on you in the name of Jesus. Put your hands together. Say yes. 
set a trap for Mordecai and through demonic transactions through demonic transactions and demonic consultation he believed that there will be a day that shall favor him in the womb of time that on a particular day of a particular week and month of the year he will have an occasion over the children of God and he didn't just do that he was willing to back up his consultation and decision against the Jews with 10,000 talents and 10,000 talents of those days on today's market when it's converted comes to 3.8 billion dollars he was willing to back his decision against the children of God with money. And we are not like that. We spread the word with our mouth. We talk about spreading of the truth, but we are not willing to back it with money. And yet the silver and the gold is God's. He created it. And it is given to you and I, not just to live comfortable, not just to send our children to the best of schools and to have money and to drive the best and to eat the best and to live in the best. Money is given to you and I to spread the truth of God around the globe. When Jesus rose from the dead, the high priests and the elders of those days gave money to people to go spreading lies that the resurrection is not true, that Jesus' body was stolen and that he did not rise from the dead. How did they do it. They use money as a weapon and a vehicle to spread lies. Are you and I willing to use money to spread truth and good across the globe? We sit down as Christians. We hold back our money and we use money for ourselves and our children. We'll go to any extent when it comes to ourselves and our kids and use God's silver and use God's gold to spread what we want. And we will not spread God's word and truth across the globe for the benefit of others. It's always about us. And yet we claim to be Christians. That is not like Christ. And this man called Haman did not just consult the oracles. He didn't just make a transaction. He didn't just establish a decree. He wasn't just interested in the spiritual. But he said apart from the spiritual transactions, I'm making and this decree I want to go into effect against the children of Israel the Jews I am also willing to put money to back my decision to spread the law all across the different nations on the Kinahazros straight from Ethiopia to India 127 nations I will use money to spread lies to the people are using money God's money God said the silver is mine and the gold is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills are mine, says the Lord. And people are using God's money to spread lies about the creator of silver and gold when God has given money to the believer to use money to spread truth about the maker of silver and gold, and yet we withhold and we hold back and we see truth being spread all over the place. Lies spread all over the place, and yet we have the weapons and the tools to counter it with truth by releasing the money and we won't do it for all kinds of reasons. But there come a time whether you like it or not, 
you'll be held accountable. I was telling them at the first service that the issue of tithe is not a law. The issue of tithe is under the principle of first things. God came from eternity into time. He came from eternity into time. Created the stars, the moon, the sun, the heavens, the elements. And yet, the fish of the sea, not to eat the fish of the sea. The trees, not to eat the fruit. Nothing God created was created and made for itself. It was made for the benefits of others. You never see a tree eating the fruits it bears. It bears fruits for the benefit of others. The fish in the sea and in the rivers produces fish for the benefit of others and not for itself. There's nothing God created that he created for oneself, but it's always for the benefit of others. And God said to man, I've created all things, given it unto you for your benefit, for your use. There's only one thing I ask of you that stands for my honor and reminds you that it, it doesn't matter how powerful you are and the fact that the entire universe is placed under your command and under your jurisdiction and you do as you please. There is one thing which is the tithe. Ten percent. The tenth. Say the tenth. And you have ten fingers, ten toes. Ten means Latin knocking and one thing nothing. Ten also has to do with honor and it also has to do with recognizing the source of all things. And God said, the fruit of the tree of good and evil is only one thing that will remind you that there is a source of all things, that there is a creator and there is one that is above you and any time you see this, it reminds you that there is God and there's a creator who created all things. So you can, keep, you can keep the 90. Do whatever you please with the 90. But the tent is mine. And it's a statement of recognition that I am your source. And it's a principle of honor. When you bring the tent, you honor me. And you recognize that I'm the source. And even that man says, no. I want the 90, including God's 10. And God said, you take my honor, you you lose my presence. That when you take my honor from me, and when you decide not to recognize that God is your source, that your source is not how hard you work, that your source is not your skill, not your capacity, nor your intelligence, or the school you attended, but that God Almighty is your source. The day you deny me that order, I'll, I'll, I'll walk you out of my garden and out of my presence. Because that is selfish. That is greed. That is an attitude of ingratitude and I will not live with it. And yet man decided that God, I will not honor you with the honor you deserve. I'll have everything free. There is no freedom without responsibility. Everything God created was created to give an accountability. One day we'll give an account. So that transaction took place. And Esther said something that is very amazing. That through that transaction that took place diligently, look at how diligent people who don't believe in God, the extent to which they go and how relentless they are to destroy good people. Day after day, month after month for a solid year seeking for 
an occasion and advantage over the Jews and over God's people to destroy them. Come with me. Look at the second scripture. Chapter 3, verse 11. And the king said to Haman, The money and the people are given to you to do with them as seems good to you. So here was Haman. He had made consultation, transacted a deal to destroy the children of Israel, the Jews. And he had the opportunity to go before the king on a particular day that gave him an advantage over the children of Israel. Whilst you are relaxing and saying you are tired and you can't do it anymore and how long do I have to pray and be in the world? Somebody is working around the clock for your demise. And he went to the king and said, King, there's a people in this country who are enemies of the king. They belong to another party. Don't allow them to succeed. Take away their privileges and rights and don't allow them to do business because if they succeed, they'll use it against your government. And I'm willing not just to back my argument, but I'm willing to put $3.8 billion to back my argument. And the king said, whatever you want, you can have it. Come with me to Esther chapter 7 verse 4. For we have been sold, my people and I, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. Had we been sold as male and female slaves, I would have held my tongue. Although the enemy could never compensate for the king's loss. So watch this. Esther then came up with a revelation. And to me, this was deep. And Esther said, the consultation that took place for day after day and month after month was a consultation and a transaction to sell the destiny of the Jews, to sell them in the realms of the spirit, to sell them to be destroyed, to be killed, to be annihilated. Ladies and gentlemen, is there a possibility that someone listening to me and the sound of my voice, is there a possibility that your destiny has been sold? Your glory, your honor, your marriage has been sold in the realms of the spirit. Now that can be truth, but it can be counted. Because you see, the blind man said, Wise, once I was blind, but now I see. Once I was lost, but now I'm found. So that in your bloodline, when it comes to your father's house and your mother's house, there can be some covenants and decrees and transactions that took place by somebody long time ago that is still in force. But as a believer, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, you are exempted from the consequence of that law. You are exempted from that decree and from that transaction that took place. But you must have understanding and you must know what it is to declare your redemption and to make a counter claim and a counter declaration. Put your hands together and say I hear you. So Esther said, we have been sold to be destroyed, to be annihilated. Which means, and it stands to reason, that when it comes to destruction, annihilation, and premature death, people from your bloodline are victims and can also become what I call subjected to evil or 
you are trapped. You are ambushed because there's a particular law and decree in the bloodline you have no idea of. And so you can't be ignorant of some of these things. The Bible said my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. You cannot be ignorant. Ignorance is a luxury you can't afford. Somebody say, I hear you. Come with me to Esther 3.14. A copy of the document was to be issued as law in every province, mm -hmm. being published for all people, that they should be ready for that day. You see, so this Haman guy was so good at what he does that he spread copies of the law and the decree he made to annihilate, to kill, and to destroy all the Jews, to put it out there. Now, when it comes to the spirit realm, the enemy can put information on you like Interpol all over the place in the realms of the spirit. And wherever you go, he will deploy a particular decree and a law or a covenant in your bloodline of something that exists and prevail that must be done to men and women of your bloodline. And as a believer, you have to investigate. You must know what it is so you counter it with the scripture. It could be true that these things do exist in your father's house and in your mother's house. That a particular situation or cycle, a negative cycle reoccurs in the life of the men and women of your bloodline. But you have been redeemed by the blood of the lamb. You don't belong to that family. You belong to another family. You have been translated by the renewal of your mind. You have been bought and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So even though that law exists, that covenant exists, that pattern exists, on the account of the word of God and on the account of the blood of Jesus, you have the right to abolish it in the name of Jesus and to claim your exemption from the consequence of that particular thing. Somebody put your hands together and say, I hear you. Someone was telling me about even in Ghana here, that there are times where you go to court and a lawyer will come up with an argument before the judge, making reference to an old law and to an old decree that has been abolished or set aside. And can win a case with an old law and an old decree. And if you, the attorney or the lawyer of a particular client, don't know the law and you haven't done due diligence about the law that old law abolish someone can make reference to it and use it against your client and win a case that they shouldn't win but if you have done due diligence and know that that law that he made reference to and he quoted in the court of jurisdiction is an old law you can also come up with a counter law and say, my Lord, objection. Objection to this argument that the law he's making reference to is being set aside. And that particular law in article so-so and so is being abolished and therefore does not hold in this court of jurisdiction. I therefore appeal to the chair to override this law and to make reference to this new law that replaces that old law. And then the judge will say, objection sustained. Go ahead, counsel. Are you hearing me, somebody? Or objection overruled. So you got to know the scriptures to be able to use that same scripture because the enemy is very good. He will bring up a particular situation. That is true. 
but does not have any implications or consequences on you because even though it's true that you come from that bloodline, you have also been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and you are the redeemer of the Lord and therefore that law, that covenant, that decree must not have any consequence or impact on you. Now understand that the enemy also is a bully. It's a bully. So even though you've been redeemed, you've been purchased by the blood of Jesus and you've been delivered, he will always bring it up as a way to bully you and to hold you at ransom and to raise an objection against you because of what goes on to the men and women of your bloodline. But you must always have it in mind that even though I belong to that bloodline, I'm also the redeemer of the Lord. And because I'm redeemed, I have exemption from consequence. I have exemption from judgment. And therefore, that law doesn't apply to me again. In the name of Jesus, somebody put your hands together. Say yes. You see, the enemy is a bully. When the children of Israel were delivered from Egypt, they left the land of Egypt with the booty of the battle. They left with the riches and the wealth of Egypt. But yet Pharaoh pursued them through the Red Sea. Will not let them go. And the fact that you are born again does not mean the enemy will let you lose or let you alone. Every now and then, he will come at you. He will try to use things to get you back into his grip and into his hole. And you got to know the word enough to say, no, 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 no. Not so. Tell somebody, not so, not so, not so. Ah, tell somebody, not so. Tell somebody, make no mistake. Make no mistake. That decree, that law in my father's house and in my mother's house has no effect or consequences on me whatsoever. For I am the redeemer of the Lord. I'm redeemed by the blood of the lamb from the hand of the enemy. And I say so. Come on, put your hands together. Come with me to Psalm 107 verse 2. Psalm 107 verse 2. Let the redeemer of the Lord say so. Say so. Whom he has redeemed from where? The hands of the enemy. Tell somebody you are redeemed. You are redeemed. I can't hear you. Tell somebody you are redeemed. Yeah. So it may be true. It's true for those who are not born again. It's true for those who are not redeemed. But it's not true in my case. It might be true for everybody from that family. But it's not true in my case. Because I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And I make a counter declaration. I stand by a counter decree. I stand by another law. I stand by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Above the law of sin and death. I stand by the law of aerodynamics. Over the law of sin and death. Over the law of gravity. There is the law of gravity. That everything that goes up must come down. But I stand by the law of aerodynamics. To say that there is a law that takes you up. And you cannot come down. And the Bible said above only and not beneath. Head and not the tail. Tell somebody I am above only. Above only. Why? Because I am operating by the law of aerodynamics. Somebody put your hands together and give him praise. Somebody say above only. Above only. Above only. Say I hear you. 
So what am I saying? That people in the bloodline can make decrees. Fathers, grandfathers, grandmothers, relational authority, your teacher. There are people who your teacher told you you are not good in a certain subject and you never be good at it and you believe it and it's programming your subconsciousness. And because your teacher said that, it's a subject you struggle with all your life because it wasn't counted. Today, I pray that any seed that has been planted into your subconsciousness that is still having an effect on you be broken in the name of Jesus. Put your hands together and say, break, 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 break. Break in the name of Jesus. Break. Hallelujah. What am I saying here? I'm saying that the enemy is a bully. And so number one, you must investigate your bloodline and check the records to find out what exists in that bloodline as it relates to the women and the men of that bloodline. And you find a scripture to counter that decree. And whenever the enemy brings it up, you say, wrong address. I know what you're talking about, but I've been redeemed. I'm a different citizen. I've given up that old citizenship. I now have a new citizenship. And you can't hold me at ransom by that law anymore. See, I hear you. Come, for, come, come with me, please. Come to Genesis 29, 25 to 27. Genesis 29, 25 to 27. So it came to pass in the morning that behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? And Laban said, It must not be done so in our country, to give the younger before the firstborn, fulfill her week, and we will give you this one also for the service which you will serve with me still another seven years. Somebody says, Free! Say free! But still in prison. Come on, talk to me. Say, born again. born again. Set free. Redeem. But still. Say, still in bondage because of ignorance. Here was Jacob. He saw Rachel and realized that Rachel, if you allow me to make these changes interchange, that Rachel was the type and the kind of woman that has in her the DNA, has in her the skill, the mindset, the character, and all that it was required for him to succeed if he married her. She realized that Jacob was the kind and the type of a man she needed to fulfill her destiny in life. She realized that Jacob has the temperament, the grace, the romantic touch and passion and chemistry that she requires to see and to have in her kind of a man. And Jacob was told that you have to work for seven years 
to merit and to have this particular type and kind. May I submit to you that it's not every woman you must marry. And it's not every man you must marry. There are some women when you marry them, you will never fulfill your ministry and your destiny in life. And there are some men, if you marry them, they will frustrate the will of God for your life and you never fulfill your purpose in life. You will marry, but not married. You be in a relationship and you still be looking outside of the relationship because you missed it. And so Jacob married. He, he worked for seven years. Hard labor. Seven years. For the woman of his love. Seven years for the man you care about. And the man that has everything you require. He has, he has the chemistry to turn you on and to give you psychological and emotional fulfillment and satisfaction. And after doing everything that it requires to have that man, to have that woman, somebody by a law that you were ignorant of made a swapping. And so on the day of the marriage, it was in the evening. And they had covered her face in the Middle East in those days with a dark veil. So number one, there was a law he was ignorant of, which was a technicality and a legality. His father-in-law was a type of Satan who understood that Jacob was ignorant of that technicality and legality and therefore decided after the seven years of having worked hard to have the man and the woman he deserved to manipulate what he deserved the most. So there was an exchange. Somebody say a demonic exchange. The enemy is very good at that. He can set you up for you to end up with somebody you shouldn't be with only to frustrate the will of God for your life so that all your life cat and dogs strive and fighting conflict and misunderstanding always fighting never know peace and he married Leah who he never bargained for did not know and did not want. Is it possible you can marry someone you don't know? Yes. Yes, you can. He was veiled. And I believe he was drunk. Because Lord, two daughters, got their father drunk. And the first daughter slept with the father. She got pregnant. Then he said to the second daughter, go in, do the same thing I did. And the father was drunk slept with his second daughter, they all got pregnant. And that is where the Moabites came from, out of incest, the Moabites, for another day. But let me move on. And so Jacob slept with Leah the whole night, all night long, and didn't know that it wasn't Rachel, that it was Leah. Can you sleep with somebody and not know who the person is? Yes! He was drunk. He was under the influence of alcohol. Because there's no way, there's no way that Jacob 
can tell me that after seven years of seeing Rachel every day, knowing her voice, living with her in the same house, that she could sleep with Leah that whole night and not know that it wasn't Rachel but it was Leah, it was because he was drunk. And in the morning, when the alcohol was broken and lifted and influence had gone, he woke up to the reality and he said, hey, this is not what I bargained for. This is not what I worked for. So he went to the father-in-law and said, why have you done this to me? Why did you manipulate this whole thing? Why? Why did you switch this thing? And the father-in-law said, I'm sorry, young man. You are very ignorant. For there is a law. There is a decree in this nation and in this family that prohibits the fact that the youngest to marry once the elder is not married. I'm sorry I can't help you. If you still want Rachel, who you have worked seven years for, then you have to work another seven years again to bring it to 14 before you can have Rachel. You must endure. So Jacob was married in the tent with a woman and a man he shouldn't be with. For seven years he endured. And while he was married, he was still seeing the woman and the man he loves, covetousness. Having the lust and the desire for someone else because you are not with whom you are supposed to be with. So there is a dissatisfaction and the lack of fulfillment and synergy. The lack of synergy. The lack of alignment. The lack of understanding and clarity. It's always conflict and fight. You don't understand each other. This one says that and that one says that. And there's a spirit of Babel. Your language is confused that you can't understand each other. But let me move on. That was a technicality. It was a decree and a legality in the background of the house he went to marry in. Have you investigated? Have you checked the records of the family you are getting into? Have you investigated the bloodline of the man you are in love with? Of the woman you are in love with? Or you just saw her and saw him and you are in love? without knowing the background because that woman came from somewhere and that man came from somewhere and you got to investigate the bloodline you got to check the bloodline you must understand what goes on you have to know the records of that family of what happens to the men of that house and the women of that house before you say I do and before you get yourself involved because you are not just marrying that man and that woman you are also going to deal with the background and the rules there and the technicality and the legalities and the covenants and the decrees in that bloodline you must know it so you can counter them before you say, I do. Put your hands together and give up. Our next scripture. Hallelujah. Where are we, Bishop? Ezra. Go to Ezra 4.15. Ezra 4.15. But a search may be made in the book of the records of your fathers. What? A search. What? A search. Investigation. Tell somebody, investigate. Don't just see a man because he looks good, he smells good, he says the right thing, 
He's very sensitive. And he told you the other day that girl, from the first day I saw you, I can't eat anymore. I've lost my appetite. All I have to do is to think about you and I'm satisfied. I see food and I don't feel anything. I've lost my appetite to eat. You satisfy me. Just the thought of you does something to me. I can't even sleep. I'm, I'm suffering from insomnia. No sleeping pills is working. I only sleep when I think of you. Then deep sleeps come upon me. And you're falling for it. Investigate. Don't just fall for his words. And don't fall for her beauty. For the Bible says beauty is vain and charm is deceitful. But a woman of character shall be praised. Today, women are working on themselves. On the outside and doing nothing about the inside. The inside is character. The inside is the right kind of attitude. And men are doing the same thing. Good haircut, but bad character. Good haircut, smells good, nice perfume, but have no temperance, are not gentle, are not kind, selfish, greedy, don't know how to bless a woman. Don't know how to give a woman money. Stingy. If you are that kind of a man, the women will curse you. And there are men like that. They are mean like mean and cold like cold. Cold like cold water and ice water. If you are that kind of a man, you never have a good woman. It doesn't matter how much you marry. Because all women may not be the same, but are the same in a way anyway. Women like kindness and they fall for love and affection. It's like dog. When you show a dog love, the dog always comes around you. It's the same thing with women. When you are kind and you are loving and you are gentle and you are nice and you are sensitive to their needs, you give them before they ask. You are always thinking about them. They fall for you. All right, let, let me go ahead. Let me go on. Bishop. And, and you will find in the book of the records. You will find if you search that there, are, there is an information in the books of the record. Listen, there are records about families. There are records about bloodline. If you check the records of my father's background and bloodline and that of my mother, there are records there. There are records about the men of my family and the women of my family. There are records, but you have to know them to counter them. You cannot be ignorant because the enemy will use that ignorance against you. Go ahead. And you will find the book of the records and know that this city is a rebellious city. This city is a rebellious city. This family is a rebellious family. The men of this family, the women of this family are rebellious men and they are rebellious women. Harmful to kings. They are harmful. Provinces. They are harmful to king, to state, 
to country, to nation. They are anti-order, anti-authority, anti-law. Right. And that they have incited sedition within the city in former times. They incite evil. They incite people to take arms, to take the law into their hands. They are very dangerous people. They don't care about the good and the peace of country and others. They don't care the extent to which they go. When things are wrong, they will take the law into their hands. And they will create all kinds of unrest in the country, in the family, in the city. Go ahead. For which cause this city was destroyed. He said for this cause, this country, this family, city was destroyed. If you take a country like Ghana, Ghana was an empire. The name Ghana rep represented an empire that existed long time ago. Have we taken time to investigate and to find out what happened to the Ghana empire? And why it was destroyed before we took to that name, Ghana, and moved from Gold Coast to Ghana? Have we inquired? Have we checked the records? Have we done due diligence of what happened to the empire Ghana? Because they are history. And these things, whether you believe it or not, they are real. Even names. God had to change the name of Abraham to Abraham. And the name of Abraham means father of many nations. Because a child is known by their name. And names has consequences. My name is Nicholas. And it means the victory of the people. And I've always been the victory of others. I've always brought victory to others. Sometime to my own head. What minutes your name? But there are things we must investigate. We must do due diligence about the house you are entering to. Don't just get up and say, I'm in love. What kind of love? Investigate. Check the background. Find out what happens. And how the men of that family treat women. And how the men and the women treat men. is important. Esther. Esther chapter 7 verse 10. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. May I declare on authority of the scriptures. Oh my enemy, make no mistake. The very thing you have predicted and the very thing you have wished for me and my house will come on you. That is your portion. Because you said it with your mouth, it shall come upon you. But as for me and my house, we will see the mercies and the goodness of God in the land of the living. For a thousand shall fall by my side, and ten thousand on my right hand. It shall not come near my dwelling. Only with my eyes I will see and behold the reward of the wicked. Somebody put your hands together. Say yes. Say yes. Say yes. Come with me to Lamentation 5-7. Those who made the decree and those transactions in the bloodline are dead and gone. But the law and the transaction is being held against you and I. It's still in force. The enemy is still enforcing it. And anytime you are about to be blessed to become anything different from what happens to the men and women of your bloodline, the enemy will raise an objection and say, No! He doesn't deserve this. She doesn't deserve this. 
But you can also raise a counter objection and say, no, not so. I'm being redeemed. I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Go ahead. Our fathers have sinned uh -huh. and are not. And we have borne their iniquities. The word iniquity here means lawlessness. They, are, they were fathers without law. They were lawless. They transgressed against the law of God. They did not honor God. You know, I said something in the first service. That one of the reasons why old money in this nation and in other African countries don't last when the fathers die is because they never honor God with their wealth. They used God's silver and gold to enrich themselves and they never gave back to society, never gave back to the work of God. They never blessed the work of God or the church. They fought God. They dishonored God with God's own silver and gold. So when they die, their wealth ended there. And I said, if you look at Caterpillar, Colgate, and you look at Coca Oats, Walmart, and some other families, you see that their wealth is transgenerational. The Rockefellers, the first billionaire of the world, because they honored God with their tithe. They recognized that the silver and the gold was created by God. And they honored God and acknowledged God as their source. But the fathers of this country and of Africa don't do that. They see themselves as the almighty. And they never give back and honor God. So when they die, everything they worked for died with them and went to the, their graves with them. How I pray that that will not be so in your case. And I said at the first service, that prosperity, that doesn't reflect in the life of others, is poverty. If you are blessed and you never bless anybody, you are not blessed, you are cursed. Come with me. Come with me. Esther chapter 8 and verse 8. You yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews, as you please, mm -hmm. in the king's name, and seal it with the king's signet, with the king's signet ring. For whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. Watch this. Look at me. And this is where you must understand the rules of engagement. A decree was made by Haman and he had died. But the decree was still in force. So Esther went to the queen and said, Haman is dead. But the decree and the transaction he made to sell my people to be killed, destroyed, annihilated is still in force. And the king said, you have to come up with a new law to replace the old one. But then in the new law, they have to write something. And this is where the conflict continues. In the new law, it says that all the Jews should have the right to protect themselves, to fight for themselves, to fight for their families, to fight for their brethren, to fight for their loved ones. Even though there was a new law, ladies and gentlemen, the new law did not just replace the old law. It did reverse the old law but hear me in order for the new law to replace the old law they were given the right to defend themselves with the new law to fight with the new law so that in the event that any of the security forces or anyone
try to use the old law to afflict them, they have the right to defend themselves, protect their home, protect their family, protect their loved ones, and everything they cared about. So the fact that there is a new law does not mean that there is no warfare. Be not fooled. Don't be deceived. The Bible said, the Bible said, 2 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, look at verse 3 and verse 4, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. Though, for though we walk in the, in the flesh, flesh, we do not walk after the flesh. Uh -huh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. So there are weapons of warfare. There are weapons of war that God has given to you and I. It means that there is a war. There's an ongoing war whether you like it or not, between light and darkness, between ignorance and knowledge, between good and evil, and it continues to the day we live here. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to understand that it is ongoing. Go to Ephesians 6, 11. Ephesians 6, 11. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. If the conflict is not ongoing, the battle wouldn't say put on the whole armor of God. For there is an ongoing conflict. Whether you like it or not, there is what we call the wiles of the devil. Dolama du kalima hadaya. Lift up your hands. Sadan, the case to wilki son, talk to God. Divayan, duwahanda sun, kilatundu kasiata, apalanda kasumba. David to Kali Kasun, Vei to Kadan Kasun, Kian Sedun, Kelatu Kadibaza. Look at me. The fact that the Bible said we have weapons of war and we must put on the whole armor, it means that the conflict is ongoing. Look at verse 12. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. There are principalities. They have been defeated, but they are still around. And they are bullish. And even though they are defeated, every now and then they will try to hold you at ransom. They will try to bring up your past. They will try to remind you of the things you did wrong in the past. They will try to come around because they know your weaknesses and they know your strength. And once upon a time, we were slaves of these powers. So they know us. They are familiar spirits. They know our strength. They know our weaknesses. They know our appetites and our liking and our desires. And they'll bring up things of your past to lure you and to get you back in there. I remember when I got born again, there was this particular girlfriend of mine and she wouldn't let go. She came at me. She would come to church when I go to church at Pentecost at that time. She would sit right there and she'll be looking at me. And after service, she said, so... What are you trying to tell me? You, you are saying that you are what? You are born again. So you don't have feelings. You, Nick, you are born again. Born again, so what? Who said you are born, being born again means your feelings are shot? Look at me, I'm talking to you. Look at me in the eyes. And tell me you don't feel anything. Just look at me in the eye. Tell me, Nick, that you don't feel anything. And just think and remember. Hey. Somebody say beautiful witch. Tell somebody pretty witch, pretty witch. Giving me raps, trying to get me born again to the other side again. 
bringing up my past. Think. Remember. Don't tell me you have forgotten the things I can do and I used to do to you. Stop all this born again thing. You and I need to talk. Can we go for lunch? And I said, no. Well, are you scared of me? And I said, yes, I'm scared. Come on, put your hands together. Give God praise. Tell somebody, the enemy is relentless. He's relentless. He's relentless. Think that's because you are born again, he's just going to give up. No, he will pursue you. He knows how to get you. He will call you at the middle of the night and say, Nikki, Nikki, that this latest disco in town, you haven't been there. The music there, the ambience, the lights and things there, you need to experience it. Just come with me. Can I pick you up? And I said, no, don't pick me up. Why, are you afraid? Yes, I'm afraid. Turn to someone and say, leave me alone. Touch somebody, touch two people and say, leave me alone. Tell two people, I'm afraid, leave me alone, I'm afraid, leave me alone. Amen. Come with me quickly. Let's look at the scripture. There are principalities. We haven't finished. Principalities. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Against These principalities powers. are dead. They, they don't die. They are not dead. Powers, principalities. Rulers, rulers of the darkness, rulers of, this of, darkness of this world. And Master spirit. And spiritual wickedness. And spiritual wickedness. They are still real. They are still there. The fact that you are born again don't mean they have disappeared. They are there. And the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to deal with them. Rule down in the mix of all of this. Come on, put your hands together. Come on, somebody. Touch somebody. Touch two or three people. Touch two or two people. Touch them. Touch them. Touch them. Touch two or three people. Come with me to Hosea. Hosea chapter 7 verse 1. Hosea 7 verse 1. I'll stop here. We'll continue next week. When I would have healed Israel, uh -huh. then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered. When was the iniquity of Ephraim discovered? Somebody talk to me. And please realize that I'm, I'm, I'm the... I'm the teacher and I am the professor in charge of this class. And if you don't work with me, I can fail you. I can decide that you are not graduating or working, so you better cooperate. When did the iniquity of Ephraim discovered? When? Talk to me. When? Talk to me. When? When I would have... When I would have healed Israel. When I would have healed Israel. You know when the enemy brings up an objection in your past? A Kairos moments. Somebody say Kairos moments. Whenever the enemy brings up an accusation, then you start hearing accusation. People are talking ill and evil of you all over the place. You pass here, you hear this. You pass here, you hear that about yourself. Let me tell you by experience over 40 years what it is. It is an indication 
that you are closer to your breakthrough than when you believe. It's an indication that your blessing is in the horizon, that your breakthrough is in the horizon, that your blessing, are you hearing me somebody, is just about manifesting that it is at hand and he has to bring up something against you for you to miss it. Why is he bringing up your past? When I would have healed you, just when I was about to bless you, just before your breakthrough, just before you went to customs to clear your goods from transit, then came up an accusation. Then somebody decided to remind you of your past, of your iniquity, of the mistakes you've done that you transgressed before. Somebody begin to say that no, 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 no. What is this guy saying? Born again? What kind of born again? This one cannot be born again. This man is not like this. He's like that. Do you know the past? Do you know who she is? Do you know who he is? Please give me a break. All these born again. Come on somebody. Why is he bringing up your past? And hear me. For those of you who have the business of witch hunting, looking into people's life and past and business, always trying to find something about people to bring it up. You are an agent of the accuser of the brethren. And it's just a matter of time and what you do to others will be done to you. You will never go unpunished. Never go unpunished. I've watched people in this country over the decades who were on my case and would throw everything at me to bring me down. I've seen the years gone and passed and they've disappeared and I'm still standing. And what they did to me has been done to them Especially if you have children, be careful what you say and do about the children of others. Tell somebody, careful, careful. Especially if you have children. When you have children, be very careful of what you say about the children of others and what you do to other people's children because the same shall be done unto you. It's just a matter of time. Be not deceived. Make no mistake, for God is not mocked. What things soever a man soweth, that he shall also reap. Put your hands together and scream, Mercy! You have no business bringing up people's past. Everybody has a skeleton in their wardrobe. Everybody, including you and myself. The Bible says, if the Lord shall count iniquity, who shall stand? Nobody can stand before God. And we have no right playing God or a judge in anybody's life. The Bible says, judge not that you may not be judged. Whenever you bring up anybody's past, you become an accuser of the brethren. And the day you do that, you open yourself up to the judgment of God. It's just a matter of time and it will catch up with you. You never go unpunished. Stop bringing up people's pants. And I'll tell you why you must do that. Because people change. Sometimes people change. And what you may be saying was true 
before, but may not be true today. Maybe the person was what you are saying before, but now there's a possibility the person has changed. And whether they've changed or not, it's between them and their God. You stay out of it. And if you have to say something, be careful how you go about it and make sure you don't destroy their livelihood. Whenever the enemy brings up your past, it's because he has nothing new on you. And he's only bringing up your past to undermine your testimony and your confidence of who you are today and what you have become. He's reminding you that you, you can't change. You, you can never change. This you are born again is not true. You can't be spiritual. I know you. You can't win. He will remind you of all the mistakes of the past and tell you how many times you have failed. Even with this fasting we are doing, sometime at 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock, the enemy will knock at your door and say, hey, my friend, stop all this spirituality. You, you know you can't fast. You love food. You like food. Why are you attempting and trying to fast? You know you can't help this thing. Why are you punishing yourself? All this is unrighteous. Now, nah, watch me. Nobody is here. Nobody's going to talk about it. Just break the fast and eat the food. The food is calling your name. Eat the thing now. And after you eat it, you say, I told you, you had just two hours and three hours to go or one hour. You could not wait. I told you, you don't have what it takes. That is the enemy speaking to you. He's trying to undermine your confidence, undermine your testimony and to tell you, you can't be spiritual, but you can be spiritual. Are you hearing me? You used to like food before, but you don't like food like you used to like food anymore. You can do this. You are capable of making a change. You can walk free. You can stand. You can conquer this thing. Come on, tap two or three people and say you can conquer. You are conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror. You can. Don't let the devil mess with your mind and tell you that you are trying to be spiritual. You. You. I know you. You don't have what it takes. Whenever the enemy reminds you of your past, it's because he doesn't have anything new on you. So he has to bring up the past to get you back into bondage. We know you are blessed by that word of God and look forward to you joining the messages of the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams again. For more information on our events, books and messages, please visit NDW Ministries online at www.ndwministries.org or call our offices on plus one eight seven seven three six one five one one one. Once again, thank you for joining the Archbishop today and may you continue to experience the life transforming power of God's blessings.